covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. It is great that the regular season has come to an end. It was not a great win-loss final week for uh, the Brewers, but uh, there were things that were more important than winning. Maybe something you don't want to hear, but uh, things that were more important than winning. And it seems like the Brewers were able to uh, accomplish those things over the course of the last week. The one big bit of bad news was the news that Devin Williams is going to be out for uh, the postseason, presumably all of the postseason. They left the door open that if the Brewers were to get to the World Series, that maybe, just maybe, Williams would be able to return. But even that seems like a long shot at this point. So I think we can all kind of move forward, assuming that the season is over for Devin Williams after... He made a big mistake. He made a really big mistake and a bad decision, and now that uh, bad decision is going to impact his entire team in a bad way. We'll talk about that and much, much more over the course of uh, the podcast. As always, if you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And uh, you can um, also uh, leave a ranking and review and subscribe to the podcast if you listen to the podcast and Apple Podcast, and that goes a long way. We had another fantastic, fantastic month uh, for listens in the month of September, so thank you to everybody who is uh, really making us get to uh, points from a listener standpoint that we've never been at before on this podcast feed. It's really, really cool, and I'm happy that it's been able to uh, work out that way. All right, so uh, coming up this week, uh, Tim Muma, contributor at Brew Crew Ball, one of our favorite folks to have on the podcast. He's going to join us coming up in uh, just a few moments. I wanted to spend some time on this, and this has kind of been the number one bit of conversation when it comes to the Brewers. Because, look, there's a lot of people out there that are legitimately concerned that the Brewers are going to go into the postseason and have little to no success and are going to get out very early and are going to lose the series against Atlanta simply because of the way the last couple weeks have gone. Now, I'm not saying that's impossible. Uh, This is not me like sitting on a fence where I'm not going to make a statement. All I'll say, and I've said this a few times on the uh, post-game show, so you kind of know where I'm going here. There, There is no correlation. There is nothing from a data standpoint that you can significantly say the way you finish out the regular season has any impact on the postseason. Have there been times where a team has had a really tough end of the regular season after a pretty good year, and then they've had a disappointing postseason? Yeah, that happens. But the exact opposite happens where you have a bad end of the regular season, and then you're able to flip that switch and turn it back on. Same thing. You have a strong end of the regular season. Sometimes that leads to a really good postseason run, and sometimes it leads to an early exit from the postseason. It, there, there is nothing statistically significant that can prove that there is any correlation to how you finish out the year and what happens in the postseason. Now, there's going to be people out there, say if the Brewers lose to the Braves, and that's possible, the Brewers could absolutely lose this series against the Braves. There's going to be people out there that if the Brewers end up losing to the Braves, like I say, I told you so. See, I knew it. I knew that when they lost those games in the final couple weeks of the year where they did, they changed the way they were playing, things like that, that that was going to lead to them not uh, playing well in the postseason. And it's just it's not true. It's not the case. It may happen, but the correlation doesn't exist. It just happens because baseball in many ways is a very, very, very random thing. But I was thinking about this. And, look, I'm not trying to be uh, – 
a psychologist here. I'm not trying to be a doctor here. But I was thinking about this, and I think this is just part of the kind of the human condition. You know, I did a I did a Brewers Weekly show probably three weeks ago. I think it was when we were out at Summerfest uh, one Thursday night. And my my topic of conversation was what's the thing that worries you the most about the Brewers going into the postseason? I got tons of responses, phone calls, text messages, tweets, everything. Tons of responses. If I throw out the question, what excites you the most? What are you most looking forward to? There's going to be a lot less response for whatever reason people, and this has nothing to do with just Brewers fans. I think this just has to do with people. People have a hard time sticking to the positive and for whatever reason we glom onto the negative and I think that's connected to kind of the way fans are feeling like you just you you instantly and automatically go to this place of being really worried about how things are going so I'm trying I don't know if I'm doing a good job I'm trying to ease your fears that there's really nothing to be worried about when it comes to how the Brewers play down the stretch of the season I'm not guaranteeing that they're going to beat the Braves. I'm not guaranteeing they're going to go on a deep playoff run. But what I am saying is their end of season is not going to correlate into a uh, into a bad postseason. If they have a bad postseason, they have a bad postseason. It wasn't connected to how they finished out the regular season. And by the way, if you want to see some of the data on this, and the data goes back really long, uh, one of our listeners actually tweeted me a story. I think it was from Sports Illustrated. And then uh, I saw something from actually uh, Baseball Prospectus from about 10 years ago that really breaks down the numbers. You can go find it uh, on my Twitter. I've I've tweeted out both those uh, stories as part of a thread that I put out uh, right around the time that the Brewers game was ending on Sunday. So if you don't believe me, if you don't want to take my word for it, and you want to see the evidence, you want to see the statistical data that backs up everything that I'm saying, it's out there. It's right there for you. You can go uh, find those articles and, and read them for yourself, and you can see. So just trying to ease your pain, you know, just a little bit, because it was not a great end of the season. And the other thing that's worth mentioning, I think this is probably the most important thing, more than anything else that I've already said. Um, like the Brewers were utilizing players in ways that they're not going to utilize them in the postseason. You know, they were they were using relief pitchers based off a script and based off a usage need, not based off matchups, not based off what the time and temperature of the game called for. So it's not that the Brewers wanted to lose those games, but winning was not the number one priority. Getting guys that are work, keeping guys healthy, that was the number one priority. So yes, they wanted to win those games, but they didn't play the game the way they're going to play it in the postseason. Even with the rest that they gave players, the way they used their bench, everything. They were a different team after they clinched the NL Central. They just, they were. And they're not going to play that way. Lineups are not going to look like that for the most part during the postseason. So that's important to note as well. You can get upset about the Brewers losing those games, but those weren't the real Brewers. Those weren't the Brewers that you're going to see in the postseason for the most part. That's not 100% true. Uh, there was a few games in there where the lineup was was pretty respectable. But you get the idea. You get the point of what I'm saying. The game was The game was handled in a very very uh, different way. And 
I mentioned this last week. Like they had that series sweep against the Mets. They had they were struggling before the Mets series, but they're playing all these games, like the Cardinals games, where the Cardinals are playing for so much more. They finally play some games against a team where it's kind of, as I use the term, equally yoked. And they had a lot of success there. And then they went on this road trip, and the Cardinals were still looking to clinch their playoff spot. They finally did it. They won one game against St. Louis. The Dodgers were still hard-charging to try to win the NL West or at least force a game 163. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm dismissive of being worried about the way things finished off. I just I don't think it means anything. I think the Brewers did a good job of staying healthy and putting themselves in the best possible position to be as good as they possibly can be for the postseason. And it's okay not to worry about it. That's all I'm saying. It's okay. It is It is okay. I don't want to tell you how to do things, but it's okay not to be, not to be overly worried. I do think the bullpen, obviously, I don't think I know, the bullpen obviously took a hit with the Devin Williams news. It was really disappointing, really disappointing. He made a really bad decision. I always say, and David Stern said this, but I've been saying it for a long time, I don't want to be judged on my worst moments, so therefore I don't judge others on their worst moment. As We don't know everything about Devin Williams and every decision he's made in his life, but that is, from a uh, public standpoint, from a baseball standpoint, that's the worst decision he's ever made. And it really hurts the team. All of a sudden, the way things are going to be handled in the bullpen are going to look different. You're going to have to find somebody to cover that eighth inning. And it might be a different guy on different days. You know, Aaron Ashby is probably the guy who fits that role the best. But on day, he's probably not going to be available every day. He's not a guy who pitches back-to-back. So what are you going to do on those days that Ashby might not avail? And I'm, I'm making an assumption it's going to be Ashby. Maybe it's not going to be Ashby. Maybe they don't fully trust him in that spot quite yet. It's a one-run lead in the eighth inning. Are you going to go with Aaron Ashby, or are you going to do something different? I, I think if they have the option to, they're going to keep Boxberger in the seventh inning, but it might not always be that way. If Ashby is your eighth inning guy, then there might be situations where on days that Ashby can't pitch because he pitched the day before, you have to put Boxberger into the eighth because you're going to use a Hunter Strickland or a Jake Cousins or a Brent Suter to cover the seventh. There's just a lot up in the air. And it used to be that you you knew exactly who the Brewers were in games they were winning in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. And that was a great strength. And now you don't totally know. You still know it's Hader in the ninth. You know the Boxburgers in there somewhere covering either the seventh or the eighth. You get the sense that Ashby, they would like to use him in those high-leverage spots, and you got some other guys who can go in there as well, but nothing's guaranteed. And in the playoffs where you can have really low-scoring games that are often decided by the bullpens, that's that can hurt this team. And I just I, I, I hope this is a weird thing to hope for. Maybe it's not a weird thing to hope for. I don't know. Uh, just on Devin Williams' behalf. I really hope the Brewers in the postseason don't lose a game in the eighth inning where they have a one-run lead and then all of a sudden somebody gives up uh, a couple runs and, and that one-run lead turns into a one-run deficit. Because, A, I know I just know how Williams would feel in that situation. He's going to be sitting there watching, knowing that he should be the guy out there. That's the first thing. And the second thing is just the reaction to it like the the fans are going to be very unhappy in that moment and there's probably going to be more uh more things directed towards Williams at that point and i just i don't want him to go just from a wanting the best for people perspective i don't i don't want to see him 
have to go through that. Now, if he does, he did it to himself. Like I'm also somebody who believes in personal responsibility, and if it happens, it happens. And he he's the reason that the the Brewers might be in that situation. But I really hope for his uh, sake that that's not something that he has to go through moving forward and that uh, he's able to get through this period and bounce back in a really big way coming up uh, next year. The next few days... Uh, Brewers get some time off. They'll get uh, a couple days off, and then they'll kind of reunite and get back together and and do some stuff on the field, getting ready for Friday as we record this. No official start time for Friday's game yet. I think it's a safe assumption it'll be in the afternoon, whether it's early afternoon or late afternoon. Who knows? But you would think in all likelihood it is going to be an afternoon game uh, coming uh, coming up on Friday. But we'll just have to wait and see on how that is all going to end up playing out. All right, uh, this week our featured conversation is with Tim Yuma, so let's get to it. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra is the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. We're very happy to welcome this guy back onto the podcast, one of our favorite folks to have on. Uh, you can uh, follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma, M-U-M-A. Of course it is Tim Muma. Hey, Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm good. So we were just kind of chatting for a second before we even started recording. And before we went any further, I wanted to stop because I didn't want to lose any of the good stuff here before we start going. So the, 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 the Brewers are getting ready for the postseason. There is a lot of worry, a lot of angst across the fan base because they have not played well for two weeks. Uh, statistic, and I've, uh, I've tweeted out some of these articles lately. There is no correlation historically between having a bad end to the regular season and either a good or bad postseason. You can have a good finish to the regular season and have a good or bad postseason. You can have a bad finish to the regular season and have a good or bad. Like There is literally nothing statistically significant about anything that has happened down the stretch for a baseball team uh, in the last 20 years, basically, of baseball. But from a human element standpoint, if you want the Brewers to win the World Series, you're a lot more comfortable if they're playing better at the end of the season. I think there's a, you know, they're, they're, it's fair to say that as well. So I present all that information. Welcome to the podcast. What say you? Uh, look, I get it, a hundred percent. Even myself, every once in a while, you know, that thought creeps in, like, oh my gosh, like, what's going on? Are they going to be able to, quote unquote, flip the switch when it gets to the playoffs? So I completely understand, like you said, the human element. Um, you know, I not to always put it on casual fans, but you know, a lot of casual fans are also big football fans, and it's always this sort of immediate gratification. What's happening now? And you know, as this longtime baseball fanatics know, it's just not that way with baseball. It's not how it works. Momentum is the next day's pitcher, all that you know, phraseology that's been used over the years. And um, so I've had to talk some people down a little bit. Uh, you know, just even friends and stuff who are, are that worried about what's going to happen. And, and look, they could come out next week Friday and lay an egg, but it's not because of what's been happening the last really two or three weeks. Because as Council even said today, the priority has been get guys healthy, keep them just fresh enough, monitor the innings, all that sort of stuff. And you know, I tried to kind of express to people too, like let's say the Brewers have won six in a row uh, to finish out the regular season. Then they have four days off, so doesn't that kill all the momentum anyway? Like it's literally a reset when you have these four days off. So, I, again, I completely understand the human nature of it, but um, you know, I, I, it just 
it sounds kind of a cheesy, but it is what it is. They they were prioritizing other things. All these other teams that people are seeing get quote unquote hot. You know, they're fighting for their playoff lives, and they might play well, they might not. We just tend to remember in the postseason these teams that went on these incredible runs and got hot and and ended up winning the World Series. But as you said, all the research says you can't find any consistent correlation with it. So. Uh, it looks like the Brewers are lined up. Everybody just about is healthy. We know the one big exception in the bullpen, and uh, I'll take my chances you know, 10 out of 10 times with the Brewers uh, going in a five-game series. You actually wrote about this recently at Brew Crew Ball and would encourage people to uh, to check out your pay, your piece uh, for sure, uh, which just recently dropped. Um, so that that's kind of the funny – you just alluded to it. I, I said this on my post-game show on Sunday. Like, if – if the Brewers go into this Braves series and they get they lose the series or they like really lose the series, get swept or something, <laughs> just have a horrible showing, there's going to be a lot of people kind of thumping their chest doing the, I told mm-hmm. you so, they, they had a bad end of the season, I told you this was going to happen. But again, from a, from a statistical data standpoint, you just you can't find that consistent correlation between anything when it comes to end of regular season into the the postseason and I, I i just get the sense that a lot of people don't want to hear that and don't want to accept that as being fact yeah there's probably something to that i think again we want to feel good about it and we want to feel how we felt you know even a month ago when it seemed like everything was clicking or when they clinched you know it's funny you sweep, sweep the mets to clinch the division and everyone say oh it's the mets blah 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 and i know you talked about this a ton of times how the you know, the use of those games were going to be more more on the le- same level than when the Brewers were playing the Cardinals because, again, the Brewers had very little to play for the Cardinals had everything to play for. Uh, so everybody's really excited. They clinched. All these positive things are coming out about the Brewers. It's been such a great year, so special. And then they go on this, you know, one-in-five trip afterwards, and it's like, oh, my gosh, they can't win a game. They don't know what they're doing. Um, so, you know, again, it's that, it's that wave of emotion of, of uh, people living it game to game. And again, you have to recognize, as you alluded to the article, and I tried to point some of the, you know, the, the differences out of how council is playing things versus a guy like, you know, like the Cardinals or like the Dodgers in that he's mixing and matching lineups. He's giving guys sporadic days off. You know, he's using relievers in spots they're not going to be in or, you know, guys who aren't going to even be on the playoff roster. So you have to take that all in. And then that's a lot of information taken. And people really just want to watch the game and see their team play well and, and get victory. And that's, that's not what's happening. Uh, that becomes, you know, the the issue in their mind. But um, you know, like you said, when push comes to shove, it's it's a lot like spring training and then transferring over to uh, to the regular season. In this case, the stakes are higher because you get to the postseason and only got you know five games to prove yourself. But uh, once again, you kind of look at the the whole big picture of what the Brewers bring to the table. How how dominant a guy like Burns has been all year, not because he gave up a three-run homer to Turner, you know, in a, in a two-inning stint. Um, it's just one of those things where you have to do everything you can to get out of your mind. And it sounds like council and I assume the players, they understand all this. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what the fans think or writers think or any of that stuff. Um, it, whatever's going to happen, it's going to be because of what happens on the field, not because of some perceived cold streak or hot streak or, or anything like that. This has absolutely nothing to do with the end of the regular season. This is just the way the schedule works out. I do think, and it impacts everybody the same way. The Atlanta Braves are going to have four days off too, but I think there is Mm -hmm. something to the challenge of having four days up and then ramping up. You do that at the All Star break, but you're playing game number seventy, whatever. You know, after the All Star break, you're going into your first game of the postseason after not playing for four days. I do think that can at times be a challenge. Yeah, hundred percent. 
I think about it with the pitchers especially, and not just from a sort of getting up, because I think everybody's going to get up for that first game. I mean, obviously the buzz is going to be in the stadium, and even before the game starts, all the tailgating. Uh, but it's it's just having a, enough sharpness, not being rusty, and that's why you saw Council get relievers in today. That's why Burns wanted to pitch, uh, you know, on Saturday at least get a couple innings, and, and just to make sure that you know you still have a little bit of that feel because that could definitely be a challenge I think for the pitchers on the hitter side. I think it's it's a little bit of yes, just um, you know your timing and and seeing that live pitching versus what they might be doing with with VP or what they might do with some drills. Um, so there's a challenge in being able to simulate a little bit of that uh, daily grind that you're used to from throughout the season versus, hey, we have a couple of days off maybe to, to catch our breath. I'm guessing we'll have a workout or two and, and uh, you know, you're watching some video and checking out all the starting reports. Um, so I think the, the challenge there is is not filling that time with too much stuff that overwhelms guys, but doing enough that, again, you feel good, you feel sharp, and you're ready to go for that first pitch because, um, you know, it, it hits you fast and <laughs> If you fall behind early in, in that first game, and you end up losing that first game as the home team, all of a sudden, um, you know, even from a player's perspective, you might feel a little more pressure. So the thing is, again, if you're going to pick any manager in the league, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. I'm extremely comfortable that Craig Council is on our side and uh, him and his staff, they, they've done a great job and that'll be the same thing when it comes to prepping for the playoffs. I do think that first game, though, the of Brewers-Braves is really important because – the Brewers have not been as good against lefties as they have righties, and the Braves are going to have freed the lefty going in game number two. Not that they can't beat them, and they've been better against lefties recently, uh, but I, I would feel a lot more comfortable if the Brewers can have some success in game number one uh, where game number two doesn't all of a sudden become you know a must-win. Yeah, and especially in a short series, um, you know, I, I appreciate the, the point of the lefty being in game two looming, so to speak, uh, for the Brewers and, and what they've struggled with more consistently over the course of the year. Especially in a short series, I mean, game one feels huge, and it is yeah. in a lot of ways. And I do think as, as great as, you know, Morton is as a pitcher, um, I'd still take Woodruff or Burns over him. I, I would go with Corbin Burns. I don't know what they're going to go. They might stick with, with Woody because of a little more veteran experience, and who knows. Either way, I take you know those guys over uh, over Morton. So the Blues have the advantage. They're obviously at home, even though they played better on the road, uh, record-wise. Um, but you know, I guess I think the concern is that if Burns does get up that early run, does the offense start pressing? Because to your point, okay, are we going to get runs in this game? And if we don't, are we going to struggle to score in the next game? Uh, the, those mental games, I'm sure, happen to, to the best of them. You can ask Jackie Bradley Jr. about that. He's he's gone through that all year, I'm sure. Um, so I, I think that's what everybody is concerned about is that the offense just isn't going to click. They're going to continue to have their struggles. Um, and I think it's really interesting to see what council does with his lineups. And I think if Telez back is an option, I think a few weeks ago I would have said you got to go Telez at first and Escobar at third because you're going to prioritize defense. But then if the offense is scuffling, maybe you focus on offense early in the game and you can sub late. Um, those are going to be really interesting to see both against the righty Martin and against the lefty Freed and, uh, again, that, those little decisions can, can really have a big impact when it comes to these uh, short series. It's funny you say that because I, I'm exactly the same as you. I would have I was arguing <laughs> just a few weeks ago because people were uh, were dismissing Rowdy Telez, and it was after a game where he made just this spectacular defensive play at first base. And he's a really mm-hmm. good defensive first baseman. He doesn't get the credit that he deserves yep. for how good of a defensive first baseman he is. And 
Uh, I was I was on the Telez being your main first baseman train because of what he was doing defensively. But then here recently, Eduardo Escobar's really been swinging a hot bat. He had the pinch hit double on Sunday, two hits to get to 1,000 uh, on Saturday. And you can put Luis Urias, who's obviously hit for a ton of power this year and has done a perfectly fine defensive job at third base this season. I, I guess it's a good problem to have for Craig Council. I guess right now, push come to shove, I'd probably prefer the Escobar at first and Urias at third than Telez at first and Escobar at third. But uh, you probably can't go wrong with either of those. And, you know, Telez had a really good game on Sunday as well. So we'll see both those combinations, I'm sure, at some point during the postseason. Uh, and that's what you need to be a good team, especially a good playoff team yep. that can make a deep run. you got to have enough depth where you got starting caliber players who are not starting. And that's where, again, people should feel great about having counsel. I mean, he's he's going to pour through all the numbers, and not just him, obviously, the entire staff, and I'm sure Stearns and company, they get involved with it too. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily a game-to-game thing or a matchup with a pitcher, but uh, they have other statistics and, and matchup variables that they're looking at. Uh, but it could just come down to, look, we, we know we have the pitching. We've got someone like Burns and Widget for to strike out a lot of guys, so maybe we prioritize that offense. And if we do that, like you said, Urias, you know, over 20 bombs, I mean, that, that plays in the postseason. People don't like to hear it, but home runs mostly win games in the playoffs because it's so hard to string it together because of the pressure, because of the quality of pitching that you have. Um, so early in games, you, you try to score those runs, and then, of course, you can make those clubs later to, to prioritize the defense and, and get to let the lines in at first base. Um, you know, unless there's some crazy matchup thing that, that either favors or, or disfavors uh, one of the players. Um, but either way, like you said, they're going to use just about all their guys throughout the course of each game and throughout the series, depending on, on situations. And um, you know, as I've said a couple times, I know people probably get tired of it, but, I mean, Council is the best manager in the National League. I have no no doubts about that. And um, that's an advantage when it comes to making these decisions in the playoffs. Yeah, in the playoffs especially. I, I don't... I think a manager, it, like the old adage goes, the old, you know, you win 60, you lose 60. I, I, when people say, oh, a manager won, won you or lost you 20 games, well, that is, that's mm-hmm. almost impossible because right. when when you have 60, you're going to win, you're going to have 60, you're going to lose, that leaves 40 on the table. So if a manager personally loses you 20 games, he's lost you half of the you know win, winnable or losable games that are on the table. So it's ridiculous when people say that. I think Craig Council probably wins the Brewers – two or three games a year with some decisions that he makes. He probably loses them a game or two a year, uh, but he he does a lot more than just what the in-game the decisions, uh, the culture right. that they set, and then you're right. Like Once you get in the postseason, that's where all of these decisions have so much more impact. And especially, you know, everyone focuses on the bullpen, and that's accurate, even in the postseason, and maybe especially more so because – you have a guy who's struggling, you're not going to let him fight through it. Uh, and, and that's when you, you know, let a reliever go for four outs when he hasn't all year, or you bring a guy in the seventh and he hasn't pitched you know, before the eighth inning. Um, so those are the, the decisions that really, those are the biggest ones throughout the course of the, the playoffs. Um, obviously, you're going to have times where you're pinch hitting a guy or you're deciding just when you pull your starter because you're looking for runs. Um, so it's all heightened, obviously, because now you're going from that 162 game you know, what can we do over the course of the season to make sure we're the best team versus, you know, it's a sprint. And uh, I'm, with part of that, it's awesome. It's great. It's exciting. On the other side of it, you know, if you're the favorite, which I still consider the Brewers the favorite, uh, shorter series, you need to feel a little more scared about because it, it does in some way help 
the underdogs. They just yeah. need to win uh, a few games against you. But, um, you know, when push comes to shove, I think Council's going to trust his horses that he's gone to throughout the course of the year. And if there's any trouble, he won't be quick to pull a guy. I mentioned it in the article that I wrote. Uh, you know, if uh, Saturday's game or Friday night's game had mattered, I don't think Lauer faces Trey Turner a second time. And, you know, Trey Turner isn't going to hit a grand slam, I wouldn't think, off a guy like Strickland or Hauser. Uh, so those are the types of decisions that, that the manager gets paid for, so to speak, because, um, you know, that, that turns the game in a hurry uh, in the postseason. And there was, what was the, the Gustave was in there at one point where he clearly, right. it, that's the thing where people are trying to evaluate these games recently. They weren't played to. They weren't playing to win. They wanted to win. I'm not saying they lost the games on purpose. There's a difference between, right. you know, making not wanting to. There's a difference between like giving the game away and just getting your work in and doing what you need to do to set yourself up. They absolutely wanted to win those games, but if they didn't, it wasn't the end of the world. And that's that's notable because they were not playing the style of baseball that they're going to play once they get into the postseason. And that's why I kept saying over and over and over, the games mean nothing. Like people were right, they didn't play especially well, but it didn't. That's not who they were. They weren't themselves during that period, so it, it has no consequence. You know, and I give counsel credit because the competitor to me, if I was a manager, you know, it's a close game against either your rival with the Cardinals or, you know, a great team like the Dodgers. There's got to be a tendency to feel like, well, maybe we can go a little off script and, and go to, uh, you know, go to Hader in this key spot, or maybe we can go to, you know, Suter or somebody who normally is going to be high leverage like Boxberger. Um, and even for myself, I mean, you know, I just coach young kids, but in fall ball, we try to prioritize you know, getting guys in different positions, but all of a sudden it's the last inning and got a two-run lane. It's like, well, maybe we throw our best pitcher just to shut this thing down, you know? So I got to feel like they go through that. But Council and his staff, like, they've just been so focused on what is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to be successful in the playoffs, get to the World Series. And we saw that, I mean, for sure, 100% when it came to the no-hitter. Burns wasn't going back out there for the ninth because the priority is safety with the, of the arm, make sure we're all ready to go because we have bigger fish to fry. And that's what you saw this week. And, Again, I know it's hard for some people to see that and, and get it, and they weren't trying to lose games, like you said, but it's just a completely different uh, strategy that they're running through for the last week. And like I said, really the last two, three weeks, once they got that 14-game lead, I mean, it was it was basically over, and they were going to make sure guys were getting healthy. It was a shock to the system when we learned earlier in the week that Devin Williams had made a really bad decision, and having a few drinks the night of the celebration, he got frustrated mm-hmm. about something, and he punched a wall, and he broke his hand, and he's probably not going to pitch again this year. They left open the door, the possibility for him to maybe be back in time for the World Series, but it didn't seem like they were overly optimistic even about that, so I think we can assume that he's done for the year, and if anything else happens, then it's a kind of a surprise benefit, but that it changes things right for this team in a big way because he, he was such a big part of what they were doing and you had the eighth inning on lockdown with him. But also you can certainly still see an avenue where they've got other guys available that can go have success. So it, it hurts them, but it's I don't think it's the thing that ends their postseason run. 100% agree, and that's what I've been saying kind of the whole time too. There's, there's probably 10 other guys that it would have been way more impactful um, you know, nothing against Williams because, like you said, I mean, he's his value is huge, especially again in the postseason where where the bullpen, especially shutting games down at the end, is uh, is enormous. Um, but yeah, they they do have guys. You hope. Um, I'll say that was a, a little concern on Sunday with Ashby's struggle with his command, especially because um, that's a guy. Even though he's young, he's so down to his stuff, plays so well that you figure you're going to be using, him, especially 
using him more now with Williams out. Um, but you, you know, you got Boxberger, you got guys like Schickel, Cousins who had success. Suter, of course, has his role to play. Um, and it's it, again, it's just going to fall a little bit more on council to make those decisions. And I think a lot of people, this already happening, but one of your five starters, um, you know, again, not counting Brad Anderson, no, one of them is going to go to the bullpen. You know, however, the, the Brewers want to play it, and that could be a series to series thing, whether it's, uh, you know, Hauser, Lauer, or even some people thought Peralta. Uh, that's going to be, you know, an even more important weapon for them to use because they, they don't necessarily have the eighth lockdown. Um, you know, Boxberger's had his struggles here and there, and um, I think you'll also, you might see Council push it a little bit with Hader if they need to get a four out save. I know he hasn't done it all year, but. I think the, uh, the the idea was that you don't do it all year because then when you really need it in the postseason, I mean, you go with your guy, depending on the situation. So um, it's really unfortunate, you know. Um, I think everybody had similar reactions with Williams, like, you know, just thinking, like, gosh, how can you do that? It's so dumb. Um, you know, we don't necessarily know the whole story, not that we have a right to, but it's just really, it, it, it's disappointing for him at the same time. I think it's okay if people are a little upset at him because it, it just feels like a selfish thing to do and, and unfortunately, um, you know, the Brewers got to deal with it. And I think, I think they handled it fine. I think, uh, you know, guys know they got to move on. They'll, they said their, you know, kind of their, their piece as far as having his back and, um, and they're just going to push forward and, and they're going to, Ride with all the horses that I got him there, minus Williams. Yeah, you know, my thing on this is always, and this is what David Stern said, but I say this over and over and over anytime people are quick to throw stones. I know personally I don't want to be judged on my worst moment, and I don't think we should judge sure. people on their worst moment. Uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with saying what he did was dumb, what he did was idiotic. I think there is something wrong with calling him dumb or calling him an idiot. That's where I kind of that's where I put up the line. It was something I did on my show. Like I text messages, callers, like if people want to start calling the guy names, that that wasn't going to play, but we can mm-hmm. we can sit here and say that was a really really dumb thing for him to do. Yeah, that's fair. And I don't know Devin Williams personally and you know, I do hope that uh, it's not a bigger issue with him with uh, the alcohol side. I mean, we know that people struggle with that throughout their lives. And, um, you know, uh, again, I hope hope and pray that it was just a single incident for him and, and as he said that he learns from it. That's all he really can do at this point is be a good teammate and learn from what he did. Um, and I agree with what you're saying. It, we don't know the situation. It's not fair to call him names of any kind, but it's 100% fair to, to you know, judge his actions, not judge him as a person necessarily, because again, I don't know him personally and I, very few people do, at least those that will be calling in or, or tweeting. Um, so I think, you know, what, what this means in the future, I, I'm more concerned, honestly, now for him is the future because I mean, it's his pitching hand, they're talking about surgery, talking about inserting a plate, I don't know how much of that is true, but, um, you know, does that affect his career going forward? And that, that again, that would be sad for him, not just as a Brewer fan, but just as a guy who's worked his way uh, to get the position he is. And, and um, you know, it's fair and unfair. It's a good lesson that, uh, you know, for other people, and even I brought up to my kids that, you know, unfortunately one bad decision can, can have a lasting impact. So it's, it's really important that you try to control yourself in those situations. Nobody's perfect, as you said, but, um, but just understanding the impact you can have um, short-term and long-term for yourself and others. I'm really curious because I think you, you mentioned Ashby earlier and, I, I think he fits the eighth inning role the best. I get the sense that they would probably just rather leave Boxberger in the seventh inning. Now, maybe if you get seven from your starter, you go with Boxberger in the eighth. 
Uh, but if, you, mm-hmm. if you're covering 7th, 8th, ninth, I get the sense that probably Boxberger is still your 7th inning guy, so you're looking to cover that 8th. I like Ashby, to me, fits that role the best. I don't know if he's going to be allowed to pitch back-to-back. If he doesn't pitch back-to-back, maybe it's a situation where you do have Boxberger in the 8th and you've got a, a Cousins or a Strickland covering um, the 7th. But Ashby, to me, is kind of the big wild card in this. You probably want to use him in that spot as often as possible. We just really don't know how comfortable. Like He's never pitched on back-to-back days, and now may, he might be asked to do that in the postseason. Yeah, that would probably be a little bit of a stretch for him. Uh, but, again, push comes to shove. If you think he's the right guy, we know he's got the stuff for it. Um, I mean, he's got to be at least somewhat mentally tough because he bounced back from you know his – disastrous debut to, to have a really, you know, terrific season, especially uh, from a rookie standard. Um, and I, th- I do think O'Connell is probably going to look at matchups you know, between him and Hook, trying to see what makes sense, who's coming up in the seventh, eighth. Uh, I agree. I think that ideally you probably want to keep Oxford in the seventh, maybe because he feels comfortable, he's done it all year. But, you know, sometimes you have to throw scripts out the window when it comes to the, the playoffs. If you have uh, Freeman coming up in the seventh inning, and uh, you just think that's going to be a better matchup with Ashby. Not that he's a, you know, he's not a loogie. He's not out there just to get lefties, but obviously he's going to be pretty tough on a guy like Freeman. Maybe, you know, you pull this trigger then. Um, but to your point, too, I don't know how quickly Ashby gets loose. Uh, I know he's been out of the pen, you know, quite a few times now over the last couple months, but having been pretty much a starter in his uh, young career, does he take a little bit longer? Do they have to kind of plan that out ahead of time? That'll be uh, kind of interesting to see as well, but I'm sure that's that's what Stearns and Council and Hook and all those guys are going to be looking over the next four days um, just to figure out what situations they can try to predict as much as they can and um, and then kind of kind of go from there. But I, I, I don't think it'll be any gut decisions. I think they'll always be looking at the numbers and what makes sense there. And um, I do think some of the righty matchups will be very interesting because a guy like Cousins, a guy like Hauser, if he's in the bullpen, you know, they're, they're just so much better against righties that, uh, they'll probably prioritize matchups a little bit more when it comes to those middle innings just to try to make sure they can get it to Hayter. Yeah, you mentioned about him getting loose, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but something I've noticed, uh, a bunch of times recently they've gotten him up warming, then they've sat him mm. down, and then they've started right. him warming again. And when they first did that, my thought was, okay, they're just they're just getting him used to that because that's part of the reliever's lifestyle where if something's going wrong, you might get up and start warming and then you end up not being used and maybe you'll be used later in the game and maybe you won't. Like that's that's the life of a relief pitcher. But as he's been doing that a little bit more lately, I wonder if they're trying to mimic the ups and downs of a game where because he's used to being a starter, essentially when he starts throwing the first time, that's almost replicating a first inning, then he sits down and he gets back going again, just mimicking that. But if if that's the case, then the idea that he can go get ready right away is something that becomes that much more of a challenge. Yeah, that's a good point as far as maybe what they've been doing the past you know, a few weeks especially, like we talked about in the past, having that big lead allowed them to sort of tinker a little bit and maybe test some guys where maybe they wouldn't have wanted to do that to Ashby uh, because you're looking to win games or you you know you don't want to mess with him too much. But to your point, they're thinking long-term, like, hey, if you're going to be in the pen, you have the stuff to compete, we're going to want to use you, this is what happens, you know. But maybe they were simulating that a little bit. And, um, again, I, I, I just feel like, 
he has the stuff. I mean, it's electric. Um, again, today he was a little off of his command. It seemed like he was a little bit all over the place at times. He still made a, you know, he made an old two pitch that wasn't great. He got a weak ground ball and, and the guy reached and then kind of all, you know, went to heck from there. But, uh, I think they, I think they feel they know they have to use them just because of how, how good he can be and, and the valuable weapon he can be, especially from the left side. You know, he brings something a lot different brings, obviously. And then you have a bunch of hard-throwing righties that, uh, that are kind of complimenting from the other side until you get the hater. So um, I'm with you. I'm sure they're looking at him at this point as a true reliever, and they'll probably use him, you know, just like they would any other guy who's been out there all year. And, and again, to your point, maybe uh, that's what they've been prepping him to do now for at least the past few weeks, not more. So you, you mentioned earlier, let's get out of here on this. You would go Burns Woodruff, not Woodruff Burns, where right now I think it looks like they're probably going to go Woodruff Burns. I would just because when push comes to shove, I'm going to lean toward the guy who's just got the better stuff, the more talent, um, as long as it's not like a huge head case scenario. And, you know, Burns admitted it uh, on Saturday, uh, you know, he got – frustrated, I think, with uh, giving up that hit to Trey Turner on a really good pitch, and then he was sort of overthrowing and, and yanking his putter a bit, so, you know, I guess you could argue if he goes out there in game one, he's a little too amped up, or something happens, and he starts fighting himself, that could be a problem, but, man, he's just so dominant, he rarely gives up, you know, more than a run, maybe two, um, I would stick with, with what I perceive as, as your best guy, Obviously, you have to win three games in the series. Um, you can make the argument that you want Burns facing free because of the whole lefty thing against the Brewers. Maybe it's a better, uh, better head-to-head, so to speak. I don't think you can go wrong. I mean, as far as the Brewers haven't made this decision, I mean, you know, 2018 was a great year, but the starters, they were really fighting themselves to try to figure out how they're going to get through each series and how they can really just use their bullpen as much as possible. Now this year, you have the horses for the starting rotation, you can mix and match, you know, the one and two guys, and then you can figure out the three and four guys. You really can't go wrong necessarily. Um, so, I, you know, again, Council and company, they're going to make their choice. I would stick with Burns game one. Uh, you could have so many worse choices than, than going Woody and Burns uh, in, in that order as well. So I'm just excited. I'm going to be there for game one as a fan, so whatever happens, uh, I just want to see it win. That's all I care about. Yeah, I, and just one more note on starting pitching. I mentioned this. I – there's, I don't know if it's going to play out this way, but I don't, I don't think it was a coincidence. I don't think it was just a looking to fill innings thing that Brett Anderson started on Sunday. Hmm. Um, I, the fact that he pitched on short rest, something that he really hasn't done. Uh, some of these, I saw Adam McAlvey did his roster postseason roster prediction lately, and he thought that the final pitching spot was going to come down between Daniel Norris and and Brett Anderson. There's just this small voice in the back of my head that is saying, don't be shocked if, say, they they have Anderson and they use him maybe as an initial outgetter and piggyback him with a Freddie Peralta where you try to force the hand of a lineup against a lefty. Maybe Anderson only goes two, and then you really change pace with Peralta. And Peralta, who's, you know, 
innings pitched is already at a place where if there's anybody to be worried about innings pitched, it's Peralta more than the other guys. I don't know. I just, Mm -hmm. this is the year that Craig council doesn't have to be unconventional and is thinking about (laughs) pitching. He can just go throw his starters and let them go six or seven innings and everything's going to be fine. But if something is going to be done unconventional, I feel like there might be some value in using Anderson as a piggyback, uh, maybe with Peralta or somebody else. When Williams went down, I truthfully said to a couple of people, I think that does open the door for Anderson to be on the roster because while you're gonna you don't need as many pitchers obviously as you do during the regular season, especially in a short series, um, you still want to be covered in case you know different scenarios happen. A guy has a short start, um, or like you said, maybe you want to flip the lineup or, or take advantage of a bunch of lefties. Not that Anderson again is necessarily a lefty shutdown guy, but. Um, I trust him 100% more than Norris. I mean, he just had so many struggles this year. And um, at least Anderson, I think he's gonna he's gonna compete and give you everything he's got. That's for sure. He seems to have a great attitude. You know, he's made a couple comments about you know wondering if those are his last pitches thrown as a Brewer. And you know, he's pretty pretty funny and self-deprecating, saying you know we have five great starters and then whatever I am. Uh, you know, obviously he's he's in the major league. He's been there a long time. You know, we don't want to bash the guy. He's obviously not to the level of the other starters, but. I think he's good at value, and, and to your point, it's, it's it seems like it should just be you know council plugging guys in ABC. But again, in the playoffs, scripts go out the window, and and it might make sense to, to utilize uh, Anderson in some capacity. And again, with Williams out, I, I, he's probably your best option to fill fill that pitching spot. He wouldn't fill the same role, obviously, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him out out there on the roster. And when he gets used, that's going to depend on situations, but. I can very well see him being on the active roster for the NLDS, too. Look, and here's the other thing, because we just talked about them not having um, Ashby every day. If you mm-hmm. if you start an Anderson and you picky, piggyback him with Peralta and your kind of internal script says get two from Anderson and get six from Peralta, that covers you through eight, and you go to Hayter sure. in the ninth inning. Like I think, again, the you might have to do some creative things to try to cover the back end of the bullpen. And sometimes you cover the back end with bullpen with what you do at the front end of a game. Yeah, totally agree. And that's going to be the goal of every game now is to get, get to eight or one way or the other. Uh, so to, to your point, there's not one way to get there. It doesn't have to be, you know, six from the starter and then a couple of relievers to get to them. Uh, you know, and I can see it even with Hauser. Hauser, statistically over his career is so much better against righties that maybe, as you said, maybe you sneak Anderson in there and um, so they have a bunch of righties in there in their lineup and then after an inning or two you go to Hauser and now he's got a bunch of righty matchups because the manager doesn't want to you know, pinch hit a bunch of lefties in the third, fourth, fifth inning. Yeah. Uh, and, we saw, and we saw that in 2018. I mean, after Council did so much with the Dodgers uh, you know, because they, obviously they're just so talented, they have so much depth, so he was trying to get, find any edge he could and just about pulled it off as we know. <laughs> so, Hopefully, uh, hopefully, whatever he's got up his sleeve, if he needs to go that route, um, you know, it'll it'll work out all the way. All right, Tim, great stuff. Uh, mentioned earlier, you've got uh, a piece very recently up at uh, Brew Crew Ball. It just posted here uh, over uh, the last day. Did it post today or did it post on Sunday? Is it brand new? Yeah, it, yeah, it went up on uh, on Sunday, Sunday morning ish. So okay. yeah, it's uh, it's pretty new. Yeah, <laughs> brand new, fresh content at uh, Brew Crew Ball. Encourage folks to uh, follow you at uh, Tim underscore M U M A. Tim, great stuff, and uh, hopefully next time uh, we talk, maybe the Brewers are still playing if they uh, get through a, a deep playoff run. 
Hey, I just I can't wait for uh, Friday to come. So uh, depending on people are listening to this, uh, I'm, I'm I'm excited already. But it'll be a long wait. But I appreciate having me on. I always love to talk ball. That is Tim Muma joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Appreciate him taking a little bit of time. And that's just about going to uh, wrap up this edition of the podcast. Uh, just a reminder for you on WTMJ, we're going to be starting something on Monday that's going to be pretty cool every weeknight. And also on uh, 94.5 ESPN, The Truth as well. Uh, depending on, there, there might be nights where maybe the show's only on two stations or even on one station, depending on what else is going on. Bucks preseason basketball is starting this week amazing it feels like the parade was two weeks ago and now the bucks are going to be back in action uh, this week but uh you can find it somewhere six to seven every weekday night that the brewers are not playing we will have a uh, brew october nightly uh myself with a cast of characters greg matzik brian d among others will be involved in the program so uh, if you want to listen to that you'll be able to do so again six to seven central uh, every night, just a uh, daily Brewers conversation for you, and look forward to bringing you that uh, each night on WTMJ. I look forward to uh, talking to you throughout the duration of the playoffs during Brewers Extra Innings, our post game show. Uh, make sure to be tuned in. Of course, you can stream the program at WTMJ.com. For those of you who are outside of the uh, Milwaukee listening area, just a reminder for you it takes until the network broadcast wraps up for the stream to go live, but we've always got that for you. So if you want to talk to Brewers baseball immediately following postseason games, we're there for you, and we love the conversation. My appreciation to uh, Tim Muma for joining us. Thanks to you for being tuned in, and we'll talk again real soon for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.